for our passage. Today we're reading from John chapter 6, verses, and your bulletin says verses 52 through 59, but we're going to read verse 51 through 59. So John chapter 6, that you can find your church Bibles, verses 51 through 59. This is the word of God. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live Forever, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your mercy and your amazing grace, before the foundation of the world, you decided to save people like us by sending your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the living bread, to come to this world to empty himself and to dwell among us and to go to the cross and receive the punishment that we deserved so that we could be saved. We thank you for this wonderful gospel that announced to us good news of salvation and eternal life. We thank you that we can read it together and that we can receive understanding of it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that Today, as we consider these verses, that you may empower us through the Holy Spirit to have understanding of what you have written here. Help us, Lord, to find this gospel beautiful in our ears and our minds and our hearts so that we might rejoice and look for that spiritual food, the food that you can only provide, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something that is common to all humans, regardless uh, your socioeconomic status, your race, whatever you have been born around the world, your country of origin, or wherever you are in the world, regardless your profession, regardless your vocation, whatever you do, is that every morning when you wake up 
Uh, maybe early in the morning or later in the day, you are going to have to look for food to eat something and drink like water or something else to sustain your life. We all need something to sustain our physical bodies. We all need food and water to live. And you don't have to study to learn that or to understand that all human beings have physical needs and they know it even from the, the very day they are born. A baby is born and the first thing that he does often with the help of the doctor is cry. And he's crying because he's looking for his mother and he's looking for food. And he's looking for the, the, the love that he was receiving when he was inside his mother's womb. And the baby continues to grow and he learns to ask for food and water to drink. My kids are good at saying agua, agua, all the time. They need water, they ask for agua. And if David is hungry, he will say, um, um. He wants food. We all need that physical food and water to survive. And we don't have to study something to, to learn that, right? But we also have spiritual needs. I would say more in a singular way. We have a spiritual need. And that is the need of God. Every human being needs God. We were created by God, and we were created to worship God. Now, we sense that spiritual need, and you can see that through cultures around the world, that people worship something. It is because everybody has that implanted in their hearts, that desire, that strong desire to worship but only when we come to God's word and through the power of the Holy Spirit is that we can understand how we worship God, how these spiritual needs are fulfilled. But the problem is that not many people know God's word or read God's word or understand God's word because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, people try to fill that spiritual emptiness, that need of God, with other things, with material things. And the result is that we fail. We fail trying to fill this emptiness in our heart with materialism, with uh, success, or whatever you try to do, you will always fail because that spiritual need of God can only be filled through communion with God. But what is our problem? The problem is that we have a broken relationship with God because of our sin. And that's the reason, the very reason why our Lord Jesus Christ came to the world to fix, fix that relationship so that we can have that communion with God and fulfill that great need that is in our hearts, the need of God. Jesus is calling himself throughout these verses as the bread of life. He is the one who can provide for you that spiritual food that can fulfill your heart. 
that connection between you and your creator, God, can only be achieved through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and through what he provides for you, which is communion with God. This is what Jesus has been talking about throughout these verses or throughout this chapter, chapter 6 in particular, that we've been studying together. Now, if we look at these verses, there are four questions, four questions that were in my mind throughout the week that I find that are very important for us to understand from what Jesus is saying here. These are questions that comes from reading the text and asking, what does this mean? In several occasions, because what Jesus is teaching here is, is not that easy to digest and to understand. People at that time had a challenge or a problem or a struggle to understand it. And some people, even throughout the history of the Christian church, has struggled to understand Jesus' words here. So for these questions, um, I'm going to start with question number one, and we're going to try to answer this question through our passage, and then after that, we'll continue until we finish with the last question, question number four. Question number one that comes to my mind, and I hope it comes to, my, to your mind when you read the test, is what does it mean to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus? What does it mean to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus because that's what Jesus is telling the crowd that is in front of him that they have to do in order to have eternal life then what does it mean to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus it's an important question because if you eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus you will have eternal life then what does it mean to do that well first of all let us uh, remember what has happened throughout chapter 6 and how we get to this point. Because here is the thing, something that you will notice in these verses, or especially in verse 59, is that there is a change of location. At least you get to know that something changed from verse 59. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And the challenge that we have is we don't know when that change happened. Jesus, again, multiplied the bread and the fishes. People wanted to make him king. They recognized him as uh, the prophet, the prophet promised in the Old Testament. Jesus go to the other side of the sea and the crowd follow him where he was. And Jesus is there with the crowd and and, and Jesus, is talk, is, Jesus is challenging them, why are they following him? They, he's saying, you're just following me because I gave you food. Until that moment, you, you think that Jesus is just in the countryside or on the other side of the sea. He's talking with people outside as he was on the other side of the sea when he multiplied the bread. Right? And there is no moment that John tells us that Jesus then, after that, went into the synagogue and talked with people. But here we found that Jesus is talking with this crowd in the synagogue. And the challenge that we have is not just that John doesn't tell us the change of location, but also 
that the same th- that the thing that Jesus is telling to the crowd outside is the same thing that he's telling to the people inside the synagogue. It's the same topic. It's the same theme. They were looking for him for food, physical food, and Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven. And if you remember, people were not happy about that. They said, we know who he is. We know his father. We know his mother. How is it that he is now saying that he came down from heaven? And Jesus kept pressing on, on this, telling them that he is the bread of life, that he is the one who can provide for them the spiritual food that they need. And then he goes even to this extent when we look at verse 59 to say, And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus not only said that he was the bread that came down from heaven, but he's saying that that bread is his own flesh. Think about that. Think about that you were there. It's so easy for us to go and judge the Jews that were there confused. We will be as confused as they were. The Jews, verse 52 says, disputed among themselves, which means that some of them were for Jesus and supporting what Jesus was saying, even though they might also have a struggle understanding. Very few of them, you will see later down in the chapter that there are only 12 left, and one of them is the devil. Because everybody departed because they could not digest what Jesus was telling them. They are disputing among themselves. And the question that they were asking is, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Wouldn't you ask the same question if you were there? Yes, I think so. And how do we find a proof of that? Sorry that I keep going back to what we have read before, but Nicodemus said, how can a man go back into his mother womb when he is born already and is old? It's the same kind of question. It's the same question that the Samaritan woman told Jesus, where is your bucket? Where, are, where, where do you have your bucket to get the water out? She's not getting it. She's not understanding that he's speaking about something spiritual. It's the same question that the disciples were wondering when Jesus didn't want to eat and they thought maybe somebody brought him some food and Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. It's the struggle that we all have to understand spiritual things because we are so much in touch with physical world every day. Talk to me about food. I can talk to you about food easily. But spiritual food, that's more challenging. And that's why the Jews were struggling. They were disputing among themselves. And you will think that Jesus is going to make it easier for them. That Jesus is just going to make a statement that is going to be so clear that it's going to put their minds at ease. No, no, no. Okay, sorry. Jesus, we misunderstood what you said. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that we're going to eat your flesh. No, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say, which is, this is the truth. Highlight this. 
Highlight this in your Bible. This is important. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They were alive. Wait, what? Now it's not just the flesh, but it's also the blood. And the Jews will never eat medium rare steak, right? Because it was against the law of God. They will not eat meat with blood. What Jesus was saying was offensive even for them. And what Jesus was saying was confusing for them and actually for many throughout the history of the church. In fact, one of the misunderstandings that people have had with this verse is that they connect this verse with what we have in front of us today. That this verse is about the Lord's Supper. That this verse is teaching us that the bread transubstantiate, which is transform, change from bread to flesh, and the wine becomes blood. This is what some people have argued using verses like this. But I tell you, this verse and this passage is not about the Lord's Supper. This passage is about the gospel. And how can we know that? At least I can give you, and you will find more arguments, but I can give you three ways in, you, in which you can know that this is not talking about communion. First of all, the, Jesus is saying, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. If you were to think that what Jesus is talking about here is the Lord's Supper, you will be saying that in order to be saved, in order to have salvation, you have to partake of the Lord's Supper. There is no way around it. You cannot say that this is referring to communion and not to say that this is not putting communion as the requirement for salvation. But Jesus himself said in verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. So what he's been teaching is that salvation and eternal life depends on believing, on faith. So you will make Jesus to contradict himself if you are thinking that now he's saying, no, wait, I forgot. It's also the Lord's Supper. And we know that salvation, not just from what Jesus said here, but throughout the gospel, throughout the New Testament, is through faith in Christ alone. Nothing else is required from us. Second, the word flesh, unless you eat flesh, comes from the Greek sarks. Here, in this verse. But everywhere in the New Testament, when you hear about communion, the word that is used is the word soma, which means body. Why would John use this word here, which is different to the others that you find in the rest of the New Testament? It will be inconsistent then. 
is the body. And third, and I think that this is the most clear argument for understanding that Jesus wasn't talking about communion, but he was talking about faith in Christ, is Jesus' own words. You compare these two verses. Verse 6, 40, chapter 6, verse 40, and chapter 6, verse 54. 40 says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now verse 54 says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood, drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. You can see that both, both verses are identical. Half of the verse is identical. Have eternal life and raise up on the last day is the result. But Jesus is saying two things here. One in verse 40, that the, that the thing that you need to do is to come to Jesus, to look on the song or to come to Jesus and believe while in verse 54 says to feed on my flesh and drink on my blood. The way I see this is that verse 40 actually explains what verse 54 means. What is to feed on Jesus' flesh and drink Jesus' blood is to look on the Son or to come to Jesus, to come to the Son and to believe in him. So when Jesus was saying, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What Jesus was saying, unless you believe, you come and believe in Jesus. Now the question might be then, why would Jesus use this metaphor? Well, you'll find, you, as you study the test, you can find several answers, but I, I think I can give you at least two. One is that what we see here is that it is in mind Jesus sacrificed his redemptive work on the cross. Because, because what was given there was Jesus' flesh and blood for us. When we believe in Jesus, we are not just believing a historical character who lived a period of time as a prophet, but we believe in the Son of God who took flesh, who came to the world and went to the cross and died on the cross, taking our place on the cross, giving his blood for our salvation. We're believing in Jesus' sacrifice. But also I would say that, and that's the second thing that I would say, is that what is in mind is that faith is more than just simply believing a fact. For example, we all believe that the sun is going to go down today at some time, and it's going to come up tomorrow, right? But that doesn't put us in a relationship with the sun. We're just believing a fact. But when we believe in Jesus, we are having union with Christ. It is like when you eat and it goes through your mouth and the stomach, eventually through your blood and 
goes around your whole body. It takes over your life. Believing in Jesus is union with Christ. When you believe in Christ and what he did on the cross, it is know that he's doing a transaction there, and you are here just observing, but you are with Christ dying on the cross. And when he came back from the death, you were resurrected with Christ as well through union with Christ. That happens when we have faith in Jesus. The question then is, what does it mean to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus is to come and believe in Jesus. That's what that means. To believe in Christ as your Savior. Now, the second question that I have when I was looking at the test is, how can a person who is alive have no life at the same time? How can a person who is alive have no life at the same time? Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, he is speaking about people who are alive. People who, who move, who talk, who understand. What he's referring to them is what we learned and understand. And I think that you can right away think about Ephesians chapter 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were all dead. Paul is talking to Christians there, including himself, who was dead in his trespasses and sins. But here an interesting thing is that what does, what does it mean, first of all, that, he, that, that, that we were dead? We answer that we were spiritually dead, right? But that doesn't mean that our souls were not alive. We had living souls. Because if you have a body without a soul, it's dead. So you are referring to somebody who has a living soul with a body, but is still dead. And it's dead in the sense that it cannot have relationship with God. It's spiritually dead that it cannot see God. It doesn't recognize God. It doesn't love God. If you were spiritually dead, you would read the Bible and it would not make sense to you. And even if it makes sense in a rational way, you will not believe what it says. We believe in Jesus because we are alive in Christ. It's because of what Jesus explained to Nicodemus that there is new birth in the heart of the individual. So Jesus is saying that unless a man, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, unless you believe you were dead, that is the reality of the whole world without Christ. Every single baby that is born has a soul, a living soul, but until there is regeneration, that is new birth in his life, he is spiritually dead. Unless he eats the flesh of the Son of Man and drinks his blood, unless he believes, he will be spiritually dead. So this is how a person can be, or a person who is alive, have no life 
at the same time. That's what Jesus is saying here. The third question, and here is the good news. What are the benefits of feeding on Jesus? What are the benefits that we do Christians have of feeding on Jesus? And we have a list here. I, I can tell you at least six of them. The first one, you can take it from the verse that we are being looking. We have been looking. Verse 53, which is, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Which means that if you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, which is that you believe in Jesus, you will have life in you. The first benefit is that there is life in you when you believe in Christ. That your eyes are open. The, op- the eyes of your hearts are open. You can read the Bible and believe. You can hear God's word proclaimed to you and believe and trust in Jesus for salvation. That you can wake up and see the song and recognize that God is the creator and the sustainer of this world. You are alive when you believe in Christ. You have new life in Christ when you trusted in Jesus for salvation. The second benefit, and we'll see the list here in the, the, the sentences that Jesus has with whoever. Whoever feeds on the flesh, verse 54, and drink my blood, has eternal life. Has eternal life. There is a sense in which every human being has eternal life. The sense in which every single person will live forever. Because there is no alienation of the soul. Eventually, Some will be resurrected to be with God forever, and some will be resurrected for eternal condemnation. But when Jesus is saying, here, whoever feeds on the flesh and drink my blood has eternalized, he's referring to eternal life with Christ and with God. It's the hope that all we all Christians, that we all Christians share that one day we will be with God forever in glory. And sin will be no more. I've talked with people, and I probably, you probably have encountered some of them who have told you, I don't want to live forever. I don't know if you have ever met a person that says, I don't want to live forever. They say, this life is so hard, I eventually want to die. Our hope is that we will live forever, no experiencing the consequences of sin that we all experience on this earth. Sadly, those who said that they don't want to live forever, unless they trust in Jesus for salvation, they will live forever anyway, but not with God. Third, verses 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drink my blood, no, sorry, uh, 54 still. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life. And the second one, and I will raise him up on the last day. Resurrection. If you die today and Christ has not come, your soul will be going 
to God if you have trusted in Jesus. But at the last day when Christ will come, your body will be resurrected and will be reunited with your soul. It's just that it will be a glorified body. There is that promise that you will be raised on the last day. The last day is when Jesus Christ will come. This is if you feed on Jesus' flesh, flesh and drink his blood, which is if you trust in Jesus for salvation. Fourth, verse 56. Now see. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drink my blood abides in me and I in him. And that is referring to a topic that John will be developing for the rest of the letter, which is union with Christ. You abide in Christ and Christ in you is that you are united with Christ. That through faith in Christ again, it is no something that Christ, a transaction that Christ does by himself there, but you are dead on the cross and resurrected with Jesus' resurrection. And today you are alive in Christ. Christ is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit and continued and will continue to be with you for the rest of your life unto eternity. Fifth, 57. After leaving Father, send me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. It shows our dependence on Christ. That our lives are in Christ's hands. When Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father, he's talking about his union with the Father. That he and the Father are one. Now he's telling us that as that union is real, our union with him is also real. And the last one is that we will live forever. Verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on his bread will live forever. Again, eternal life. These are all the benefits that we have by having union with Christ through faith in Jesus. Now, the last question that I have for the test is this. In which way Jesus' flesh and blood are true food and true drink? Because this is what Jesus says in verse 55. He says, for my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. The manna that the Israelites ate in the desert was true food. It was real. It was provided by God and sustained their lives when they were in the desert. But if you remember from previous verses, the purpose of the manna was not only to provide physical Food for the Israelites, but to point to the true food, which is the manna that came down from heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ. In which way Jesus' flesh is true food and his blood is true drink is that he is the one who can sustain 
and provide for you eternal life. Remember, you will be pursuing different things in order to feel that emptiness that you have, that need of God, if you don't have understanding that Jesus is the living bread. You will not be eating true fruit and true drink when you try to feel, to feel or fulfill that emptiness with material things or things that you pursue in this life. But Christ is the only one who can provide for you this true food and true drink, eternal life. Then my question for you is, do you feed on Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus for salvation? Have you trusted in him because you know that you cannot be saved based on your own works? And if not, I encourage you to trust in Jesus and to take as your own the promises that Jesus is making on these verses. But if you have already trusted in Jesus, my challenge for you is to remember that he is the only one who can fulfill the emptiness in your heart. Come to Jesus, believe in Jesus, and he will calm your thirst and hunger. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness, your love and compassion. For people like us, who were dead in our sins and trespasses, that we have this promise. For those of us who have trusted in Jesus that you made us alive together with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places. And for those who have not yet come to Jesus in faith, that if they come to Jesus and believe in him, they will have also life today and life forever. May you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, empower them to believe, to trust in Jesus for salvation. And we thank you, Lord, that you brought us together as well to partake of the Lord's Supper in memory and remembrance of you. Help us, Lord, as we meditate in communion to be nourished by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.